Wait, are you recording Game of Thrones? Of course! Hi, and welcome back to Writing in Real Life, a podcast about writing, parenthood, publishing, and marriage. I'm Morgan Baden, and with me is Barry Liga, my co-host and my husband. Hey, Bear. You're not Melissa. I'm not. <laughs> Special shout out to Melissa Walker, who filled in for me last week. I thought it was such a great podcast, by the way. Thank you. Well, not for you, but to Melissa. Yeah. No, okay. no, seriously, I thought it was really great. Um, and, you know, I listened to it when it went live, like everyone else. And that was fun and exciting. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's always nice when that, that we have these people that we can pull in to be guests when yeah. uh, when, when you can't be here. So, yeah. very cool. You know, if there's a special guest you'd like to see, send us a tweet. We'll see what yeah, we can do. Yeah, seriously, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> I mean, not like Oprah, but, you know, a realistic well, guest. <laughs> we, could, we could try Oprah. We could, make, we could make an effort. Anyway, thank you, Melissa. And thanks, Barry. Um, I just want to say uh, something very quickly, which is that we're recording today on Sunday. Um, and something tragic happened at earlier this morning in Orlando. So... Um, it's hard to watch that stuff. I, I've been, I, I hate this, but um, it was a, a hot day today. I was very tired. We have a lot of things to do with the move, which we'll talk about. Um, but as a result, I was inside with the baby most of the day and had the TV on a lot because there, there wasn't a lot to do and we were playing and whatever. But I kept alternating between Sesame Street and then putting on the news because I was glued to it and I had to see what was going on and um, was just sick to my stomach and wondering what sort of long-term damage I did to my kid by letting her watch these news reports. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't seem to pay attention she doesn't. to that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like if there's not a Muppet on That's screen, right. she she's really doesn't seem to look. Yeah. So. And even sometimes when there is, she's not. Yeah. Sometimes so. when there's Muppets on the screen, yeah. she just doesn't care. Anyway, we just wanted to say, um, to our, our queer friends and family, we love you and thinking of Orlando. Yes. Okay. So the reason I was out last week, is because I was at a conference, and I want to talk about that conference. Oh, okay. I have a lot of complicated feelings about it. <laughs> I really do. And I don't, I'm not going to get too deep into it, um, but you know, I, I, you may remember, listeners, that I wasn't super excited about going, and I thought it was just because it was bad timing. We're moving. There's, there's just a lot going on. That was literally the week that we closed on our house and bought a car, right. and there was so much to do with both of those things. Uh, so I was not looking forward to it. And I'm, I'm wondering if maybe that colored my, my arrival there because I didn't feel like I, because I wasn't excited to be there. I probably was not my normal. Uh, I'm usually a pretty friendly, gregarious person. Ebullient. Oh, thank you. Uh, and I just didn't feel like myself when I arrived. Yeah. And so that, that weighed a lot on me. Um, but mostly I just did not like the conference. Um, part of it is a demographic problem. This was the regional SCBWI conference for New Jersey, and it was held in Princeton. Uh, I went to college down the street from Princeton, and Princeton has a certain demographic. And this conference really played into that because it was really, uh, there was not a lot of diversity going on. It was all it was mostly women of a certain age who seemed to be very financially well off and did not work and uh, all had grown kids who also seemed to handle all of their social media and websites, which was, a, that's a whole nother conversation. Wait, that's, that's the plan. Oh my God. Uh -huh, have yeah. kids handle that stuff for you. That's awesome. I should <laughs> have had like 18 years. Ago, I should have had kids years ago. <laughs> what was I thinking? Anyway. So, so I had a lot of trouble with the demographics because 
partly, um, again, middle-aged white women who all want to write picture books. Yeah. So I don't have a lot in common with that anyway. Right. Um, so, but most of the people I met were very nice, but I will say they weren't particularly inclusive or friendly. So there was that kind of stuff going on. Um, anyway, and I also just didn't think that the, the workshops themselves were good. Huh. Um, and I hate to say, I, I really hate that. Like I, I was very excited about some of these and I ended up not enjoying most of them. Um, I did learn a couple of really useful things in a picture book panel that I attended, um, which I, excited me enough that I actually started writing a picture book right there during the during the session. Well, and I'm working on that's it now. Good. I that's know, a good yeah. Sign, so yeah. that's a huge positive, and I'm I'm trying to walk away with that. Um, and then I will say that I had, uh, you know, I paid extra for a 15 minute pitch with an editor. Mm-hmm. I left incredibly disappointed with how that went. The editor is supposed to read a certain amount of pages. He confessed that he did not read that many pages with mine, but then wondered out loud why he didn't keep going. And I was like, don't say that to someone. Right. <laughs> That's really ridiculous. Um, and made a lot of uh, a lot of mistakes when then critiquing me about the pages that he did read. Um, I'll just say, because I th- it's actually really funny, the opening line of this manuscript talks about um, the main character's great-grandmother dying. Uh, it literally begins, the day I found out my great-grandmother died, I... Blah, like, blah, blah. Yeah. And he said to me at one point during the 15-minute critique, I'm just not sure why she's so upset. It's not like her great-grandmother died. <laughs> and then I very kindly and in shock had to point out the opening sentence that says that. Right. And the sentence a few paragraphs later where someone brings it up. And to his credit, he was very embarrassed and said, okay, well, maybe I was just a dumb reader there. But anyway, obviously that did not go very well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then um, the funny thing is that... Uh, I had an agent pitch the next day, which is free. And you basically memorize a, a two to three minute pitch about your book, which is very, very difficult to do if you're not like an it, actor. It is. It was very funny. There was people, I was standing in line with people as we were waiting to go into our time slots and we were just like repeating it out loud. So it's just this mishmash of people repeating these pitches. It was very <laughs> funny. Um, and I will say I met some nice people in that line and they were like, let's practice. And I was like, okay, great. And that was actually really helpful. Um, but I found the agent pitch so weird because I went in and pitched and he said, that sounds really interesting. Why don't you query me with the first three chapters? And I thought I can do that anyway. Right. Like that's literally what a query is. I, right. I don't need to pitch you for you to give me permission. I don't need permission to query you. You just query you. So so I found that very confusing because I was like, I don't know the point here. Although, I mean, I think the point with that, and it may or may not end up being worth anything, is that you get to say, I met you at such and such. You wanted to see yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Which is marginally better than, hi, you have no idea who I am, but right. here's, here's, here's some of my work. Yeah, yeah. And he did say, add the name of the conference and the subject line, whatever. Yeah. I'm not, I don't, honestly, I don't think I'm going to query him because I wasn't that into him anyway. So, um and then overall, you know, I ended up leaving early on Sunday because I had to go pick up our kid from where she was, which was all the way in the other direction. And I needed to time it with nap time. Um, and frankly, the night before I skipped dinner cause I was so disillusioned and just needed some self care. So I went and picked up some Mexican food and right. binge watched HGTV alone in a hotel room, which for a parent is actually a really awesome thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> for anybody else, it's sad, yeah, but for exactly. a parent... <laughs> For a parent, it's a good thing. the ultimate night in. Well, I mean, I'm <laughs> obviously really sorry that it was not a more worthwhile endeavor. Yeah. Um, I, I think what we can say is that what we've learned is 
not anything about conferences in general, but that that specific conference is not a good fit for it's you, not for obviously. Me. Yeah. You and know, keep in mind, too, I just want to add there, I hope I don't sound bitter. I am in a very different position than a lot of other people trying to break into these, this industry. Sure. Because I work at a publisher. I know a lot of people. My husband is a best-selling author. I work with editors. Like, I, there's a lot of things I I have a different level of knowledge. And I, I ho- again, I hope that doesn't sound like something. I don't know. But... To illustrate this, I was sitting at dinner the first night with a group of very lovely ladies. The subjects they were bringing up about the writing industry made me want to tear up my hair. It was like they were saying things like, I've heard that middle grade is getting just as hot as YA. And then it was a five-minute conversation. And I, it was really hard to sit there. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was a whole conversation about how, how important social media was. And they were talking about the things that they do and should they blog? And she just paid her son to set up a blog for her. And I was like everyone stop like so anyway it's yes it was not the right fit for me clearly yeah and you know what i learned when i was doing a lot of conferences back in the day was some were really great Mm -hmm. and some were really lousy and some were somewhere in the middle yeah there's no way to know no there's absolutely no way to know without just going no and this was a really expensive weekend i spent you know when i was doing it over the course of three or four years i spent a lot of money Going to conferences. And some of these, you know, you drove to this. Yeah. You had a car and you drove to it. Some of these, I flew to San Diego. There were people to flying in from Arizona. Yeah. I was like, what are you doing? Save your yeah. money. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I I hate to say this. I don't think I'm going to go to any conference again. <laughs> not anytime in the future, certainly. It just, it just does not feel worthwhile to me. Well, there you go. Yeah. But I, I hope other people have really good experiences at them. I mean, again, or not, I, and I then mean, the whole industry I, crumbles. I would be okay with that too, to be honest. I feel like my career—I <laughs> owe my career to conferences. Um, you know, so that makes me sad. Yeah, that was a long time ago. It was mm-hmm. it definitely was. It definitely was. And like I said, I went to my share of really crappy ones. Yeah. Um, so it's not like you know they were all wonderful, yeah. but the there were three, maybe four key ones that I went to mm-hmm. that dramatically changed things for me yeah. each time I went. Wow. And, uh, you know, that was, that, that was important and that was worth it. So I'm trying to remember that I really did walk away with one really great picture book tip and, yeah. and an idea that I'm, yeah. I'm working And that's on, what we so. talked about before you left was, you know, your goal in going, yeah. you know, and yeah. like you came away with, with some, with this great tip, this yeah. great thing that energized you and had you sitting there writing in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's worth something. Yeah. That's worth something. Mm-hmm. So, so thank you for indulging me as I complained just now. I feel <laughs> bad. I really do feel bad that I had such a bad time. Yeah. Like I wish it was awesome and I could recommend it. I just can't. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, so moving on, we're moving oh, tonight. Actually, I'm so angry at you. <laughs> <laughs> now, don't be angry at me. Be angry at Brooklyn for having small apartments, <sighs> right? Not my fault that the housing industry here is a joke. No, it's, I'm pretty sure it's your fault. Oh, okay. Anyway, um, Barry actually packed our very first box today. Yes. Of glassware. So one down and like, I don't know, 94 to go. No, there's like, what, two, three more boxes of things. Yeah, it's a small it. apartment. There's like two or three boxes of things. <laughs> but so something I've been thinking about, and you, you mentioned something, um, related to this a while back and I filed it away. Cause I was like, I want to talk about that. Uh, so you and I both, before we even lived together, would move every so often. That's I moved, what you do. Yeah, in I moved a lot. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, I was living in Hoboken and, you know, would spend one year here, three years there, one year here, two years there, you know, whatever. Um, I mean, I, I'd actually like to do a quick count since, since I moved to the New York area, the winter of 20 of 2002, I'm dating myself here. Um, I've lived in probably nine apartments, like wow. eight or not. I'd, I'd have to count. Anyway, that's what you do here as book collectors. <laughs> This comes up a lot because I'm so used to curating my book collection every time we have to move. Right. You mentioned a while back something about, well, we're moving to a house. We don't have to curate our book collection. We have enough space to bring all the books. Right. So uh, do you feel that way? Are you planning on curating as we pack up these books? I mean, it will. I will curate, but it will not be as brutal and bloody a curation <laughs> as they have been in the past. I mean, seriously. Fewer casualties. Like, I mean, I had... When I first moved to New York, um, I left behind a bunch of things in a storage unit. Okay. And it was mostly boxes of books and my comic book collection because I just didn't have room for them. And as time went on, I was paying for this storage unit every month. And it was wow. getting ridiculous. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to bring everything to New York. And I quickly realized I can't do it. There's yeah. just not enough room. And I pruned my comic book collection, which hurt. Aww. Like you would not believe and I got rid of so many books. There are so many books that I think of now where I'm like, oh, where is that? And I'll look on my shelf and then I'm like, oh, I must have gotten rid of that Aww. in the great purge of, you know, 2009. Yeah. And that kills me because some of those books, man, I'm like, damn Aww. it. Why didn't I keep that book? Yeah. The good thing is that now that we will have a house, I plan to re reaccumulate many of these things. <laughs> I remember a lot of them, and I'm just going to go ahead and buy them again. But, yeah, I mean, there are a few things I'll have to get rid of just because, let's face it, there are things we accumulate that we hold on to, and, we're, and then you unearth it at some yeah. point, and you're like, wait, what the hell? Why do I even have this yeah. anymore? If people could see the office in our okay. apartment, especially my portion of it, which is, you know, there are stacks of paper covering books, covered by magazines <laughs> with toys intermixed. I'm, I'm literally looking at a Scully bobblehead doll right now. Yeah. But she's yeah. mine. She's yours. Yeah, she's <laughs> yours. But uh, it's just the most bizarre geek lasagna you could imagine of, you know, layers of comics and then toys and then books and then papers and then whatever. Did you make up that phrase? Yeah. That's really just, cute. It just occurred to me while I was looking at a stack of something. I'm like, it's geek lasagna. I love it. All right. Let's see if we can get it trending. Everybody <laughs> start hashtagging geek lasagna. So anyway, you know. Yeah, as you're packing, you start to go, do I really want this anymore, or is it easier just to toss it? Yeah. Um, so there's some stuff I'll get rid of, but it will not be, again, as bloodthirsty yeah. purging as has been in the past, because we're going to have room. We've got a basement. Oh, my God. A basement, people. And an attic. And an attic. And and the basement has, has that, my favorite place now, which is the cold room, this <laughs> uninsulated room where we can just stash things that don't have to be insulated. Barry, so you, nice. should, you should hear Barry, you guys, because I think probably four times a day over the past two weeks, he said, we can just go put that in cold storage. Yeah. <laughs> and I know, like, that, that we're going to run out of space. That cold, cold storage, storage is going to fill up pretty fast. <laughs> um, but but while we're talking about the house for just a moment, can, can we point out a little bit of comedy that happened? Sure. This week with the house? Um, oh, God. We, uh, 
We decided... <laughs> we can laugh now. We can laugh now. We decided we were going to have a little bit of work done before we moved in. Um, and when you first walk into the house, the, the living room is very nice, and there are two archways. One goes to the dining room, and one goes into the room that is going to be my office. Mm-hmm. And... Since it's going to be my office, I need privacy, so I need a door. And there is no door. It's just an archway. So we brought in a guy, a contractor, and said, look, we want you to put a door here where there's just an archway. And uh, which meant closing in the archway a little bit, extending the wall, Mm -hmm. and then putting a door in. He said, okay, great. And keep in mind. Did this in person. Did this in person. He marked, he marked on it. the floor, like, where to put yeah. the door and everything and all that stuff. And then I went to the house a few days ago to drop off some stuff, and I walked in, and his people had walled off the wrong wall. They walled off the dining they room. They walled off the dining room. Because that's something you want, is a more closed A more closed-in dining room. <laughs> that's the trend these days. So I called him immediately and told him what happened, and he was like, what? It's like, I drew them a blueprint. What? So we can laugh now because we were just there the other day and they fixed fixed, it. They knocked down the wall that wasn't supposed to be there and they put it up in the right place. But already our, our time as homeowners is not off to an auspicious start. Anyway. Yes. Um, I, I plan to bring pretty much everything. What about, what about you? Well, it's, it's something I've been thinking about. Um, I feel like two moves when I first moved in with you. So when I left my last Hoboken apartment, which was a very spacious, very large apartment spacious, that I yes. shared with my twin sister. Conveniently located over the garage doors, I recall. Oh, yes. That would um, open for the garbage man at five o'clock every Monday morning. It was great. It was lovely. Anyway, I really did love that apartment, but I, I curated a ton when I moved in with you. Um, I believe I donated, I'm not exaggerating here. I believe it was nine shopping bags full of books to the local library. Wow. And they were like some good books. Anyway, so (laughs) some of them were good. (laughs) No, but, um, and then we purged a bit when we moved into this place. I remember having a stoop sale and selling some books, but, uh, so I didn't think I was going to curate a lot, but I'm, I've been looking at the bookshelves, particularly in here. Um, I wonder if anyone else does this, but I, I have like a, we have a kind of a system for how we portrayed our books in this, in this apartment. Like we had a really great, um, bookshelf over the couch in the living room. And we, that was a sort of showcase, like our favorite things. Anyway, this one in here, um, is a mishmash of mostly yours, but I have the top shelf. And anyway, there's stuff up there that I don't think I'm going to keep. They're all my books, aren't they? (laughs) I'm getting rid of every Barry Laga title. That guy. Join the club. <laughs> no, but I, I was thinking about, in particular, when I first started reading YA, um, like when I discovered it, I should say, there was one author in particular who led me on that discovery, and I ended up buying her whole backlist. Her accountant thanks you. Yes. And now I'm like, I don't think I need those books. Like, I don't plan on ever rereading them. I don't know. So I, I'm just thinking about those things. And, and generally, I was having these broader thoughts about, like, how your tastes as a reader change and is it good? Is it healthy to curate your bookshelves like this all the time or, or is it not? Am I doing a Marie Kondo thing here with the life changing magic of tidying up where like I need to think about every single title and ask myself if it inspires joy in me and if so, keep it. And if not, thank it for its service and get rid of it. Just throw it in a box. (laughs) I mean, truly the good thing about Brooklyn is that the books they're just out on stoops all the time. I know. It's the best thing. I, I cannot tell you how many books we have just randomly picked up from a stoop. I know. We're going to be that family in our new town who people are like, 
why is there a box of free books out on their Out on their <laughs> Although I will say, I did, last time we were there, we drove by a little free library down the street. That was very cute. Yeah. yeah maybe was, I'll set one up. We stumbled upon that. That yeah. was cute. Anyway, so it's just something I'm thinking about, which is how much to curate my books as we pack. Yeah. I'm, I'm not feeling the urge. I mean, there are a couple things where... You know, my my criteria will not be, gee, does this bring me joy? How much do I like this book? Blah, blah, blah. My criteria will be, if I look at it and go, why the hell do I have this? Yeah. I'll get rid of it. Yeah. Any other reaction, okay. I'll keep it. So even like uh, looking at it and being like, oh, I really liked this book when I read it eight years ago. I'll and that's it. it. Yeah. I'll keep yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I guess that's helpful. It is for me. <laughs> Uh, let's move on to and talk about sleep. Oh. First of all, I just want to give a shout out to the afternoon nap because I took one today and it was phenomenal. It was yeah, like you really, you seriously napped. I really afternoon. did. It was amazing. Um, I haven't had a nap in a long time. Yeah. So uh, I wish our kid was a better sleeper. What we, is going on? We we talked a couple of weeks ago about how we sort of hit this uh, sleep regression. We've been having some trouble, and we talked about how about how we had considered redoing Cry It Out. And then our pediatrician told us that that was not appropriate at this age, right. that Leo was too old for that now. And then we did something very, very mean. We never said what we were supposed to do. Um, so people out there are like, uh, well, if you're not supposed to do cry it out, what, what the hell you are you supposed to do? So why don't we we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll say what we're supposed to do, which is actually, I think, more difficult than cry it out in some ways. Because cry it out, you just sort of you sort of go into the other room and tune it out and wait for the like, kid to fall asleep. Like going to denial yeah. that your kid is screaming for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. With, now, though, you know, she is old enough that she knows we're out there. And she will feel bad if we don't go in mm-hmm. or she will feel neglected or Well, it's or, also, abandoned. you can tell by the cry, too. Yeah. Like, she gives us the angry cry. Like, yeah. she's yeah. pissed off at us. So and now, I, don't like, I don't want my kid to be pissed off at me. Now, what we're supposed to do is, when she does this, when she cries, go back into the room. Don't turn on the lights. Don't give her a toy. Don't interact with her pretty much in any way at all. Well, I should say, I just want to yeah. level set here. We were never turning on the lights or anything right. like that. What we were doing was I would go in, say pick we. her up out of the crib because she would reach up for me. Right. And I'd sit down in the rocker and I'd snuggle with her. And she has a little star light up toy that sometimes um, we would play with because it helps calm her down. Or you'd give her some milk. Uh, that was rarely yeah. if I thought. Yeah. So... Um, so yeah, but it was very much taking her out of her sleep environment in her bedroom and, and giving her mommy time. Right. So turns out that's the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do. Right. According to our pediatrician. (laughs) Yes. So you're supposed to go in there and, um, not take her out of the crib, not take her out of the crib, not turn anything on, no toys, no, nothing like that. And, uh, just tell her, Hey, it's time to go to sleep. Lie down and go to sleep and then sit there with her. Yeah. For about five to ten minutes and then leave. And if she starts to complain again, you wait about ten minutes, go in, do it again, Mm -hmm. leave. If she cries again, you wait 15 minutes this time and you just keep extending it Mm -hmm. and going in. But each time you go in, you stay in for the same amount of time and you do the same thing. Yeah. Which is... And you can say, too, like... Daddy's right here. Right. I'm not. I'm right. right here. I'm not going right. anywhere. That kind of thing. And we decided that I would be the one to go in because number one, um, you are too stimulating for her. Yeah. And number two, she associates you with now it's playtime. Now it's playtime. Yeah. So, nighttime playtime. So the first time I did this, I thought this is insane, and I went in, and she was standing up, and I went in, and very no nonsense. I just said to her. It's time for you to sleep. You need to lay down and go to sleep right now. 
And holy crap, she looked at me, stopped crying, and laid down. And I was like, oh my God! <laughs> and, and, and in a way... I feel like I shouldn't have been surprised by that because she... She does everything else we tell her to. She understands everything we yeah. do. I mean, there was the one day, uh, which I don't think we've talked about on the show, where you were in the office getting... We were getting ready to go out to yeah. do something. You were in the office looking for something. I was heading up the hallway towards the office, and she was standing in the office doorway watching you adoringly. <laughs> and you... That's my girl. You muttered to yourself... Yes. What did I do with my phone? Yep. And she... Walked right past me down the hall into the living room, got, found your phone where it was sitting on the sofa, yep. picked it up, and brought it to you. Unbeknownst to me until right. I turned around. Right, and then and you turned around and she's holding, here's your phone, Mom. Yeah. And so this kind of thing, like, she clearly understands every word we say. Yeah. So I don't know why it surprised me that it, when I walked in there and said, hey, go to sleep. She actually laid down. I mean, like it's again, it's not revolutionary, but to actually sit, like, to to acknowledge to yourself that oh. Right. She's still at the age, mostly, where if we tell her to do something, she usually does it. She usually does it, yeah. You know, I was driving. It was a very long drive um, to and from the conference last weekend because I had to drop Leia off at my sister's house. So shout out to my older sister for watching her all weekend and my mom who watched her all weekend. Um, Anyway, so, and she's not great in the car for long trips. Right. Or at least that's what I always used to tell myself. And now I'm like, oh, maybe she's actually fine. Um, anyway, so I drove her both ways, of course, alone. And so she's, of course, alone in the back seat. And I've got the mirror up so I can see her as I'm driving. And she woke up at one point from her nap and started, like, scream crying. And I looked at her in the mirror and I said, honey, get your woman up, close your eyes and go back to sleep. And she literally paused, looked at me. Looked down, picked up her wub, put it in her mouth, and closed her eyes and went back to sleep for the rest of the trip. And I was like, what? What just happened? First of all, we're going to have to put a link in the show notes to Wubbanub so that yeah, people know what true. that is. Um, it's awesome. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's one of those things where, you know, you you sort of have to remind yourself, oh, this isn't just a trick. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. hey, like, you know, where where's Elmo? And she points to Elmo. Like, you know, that that's like a trick, you know? But no, she's actually listening to what we say, understanding it, processing it, and reacting to yeah, it. Yeah. And, you know, whether it's where's Elmo or it's time to sleep, lay down, she's listening. Yeah. Um so so this works fairly well. Um until the, it doesn't. Until it well, the the problem I mean it generally does work. Sometimes you have to do it two or three times before it works. The problem is that there's no rhyme or reason to why she suddenly won't sleep. We've we we just came off of like three nights in a row where she went right to sleep and slept twelve hours straight. Yeah, through. and it was perfect. And it was perfect, which is the way she has always been. And then tonight we put her down and after an hour she started shrieking. Well, and you're forgetting too that three nights ago. She, woke she went up to sleep at, perfectly and, and woke, woke up, up at three thirty in the morning yes. and would not go back to sleep. Yep. So yes, we were up at three thirty. That was yes. rough. So I, I. And anyway, we we're uh, we're kind of at our wits' end here. We don't know what to do. Well, I mean, the problem is that we know what to do, but it it doesn't solve the problem. In, in any sort of long-term way. That's what I'm saying. Like, is like, mm-hmm. we have these, um, this routine that we're supposed to perform. Right. And it only works 80% of the time. So what do you do with that 20% when your kid is up at 3 o'clock in the morning? Right. And you have to work the next right. day. Well, and also, it's difficult to 
you know, we've never actually tried this at three or four in the morning when she woke up. Right. Because at three or four in the morning, you don't have the the psychic capacity to count off ten minutes and then let her cry for ten minutes and then go back in for ten minutes. It's hard to listen to a baby cry when you live in an apartment building and it's four o'clock in the morning. Right. Right. It's very... and, And honestly, even if we didn't live in an apartment building, the fact of the matter is, it's just... Your brain doesn't yeah. work the same as it does when it's eight o'clock at night and she's doing it. Yeah, you know, uh, when it's four in the morning, you just, you just, I at least don't have the the emotional and psychological bandwidth to do that sort of thing. So you start to fall back on anything you can do at all just to get her to shut up, you know, which sometimes means I go to sleep on the floor in her room. Yeah, and that calms her down for a while. Yeah. Um, and eventually she falls asleep. And by the way, I'm sure there's listeners out there who are parents who are saying like, just bring her in bed with you. We have tried that. We our tried kid that. does not like to sleep in our bed. She, to her, our bed is a place to jump up and down. Yeah. <laughs> she does not like to sleep in our like, bed. Since she was born, I've been like on the fence about, I should say I've been open to the idea of co-sleeping with her. Right. She has just never been one who wants to sleep with us. No. She rejects us. She, she, <laughs> she She's like, mom, dad, I love you. I need my space. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway. So, we're figuring this out, and we have no idea if it will be made better or worse by moving. Yeah. But, but hey, it's an adventure. We'll find but out. But it's also, this has been like a, I mean, this has been about six weeks now of sleep troubles. Yeah. And it's, that's the longest period we've ever had with the same problem. Right. And uh, it's, it's pretty it, exhausting. It's wearing. Yeah. 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 Send us all your sleep sympathy. Seriously. Yeah. So... So let's do a quick writing update. Yeah, let's. What are you working on? I, you know, um, it, it's been so rough lately and we've both been really tired and run down and I was going through all the copy edits on Bang and, yeah. and that was taking a lot of time. But um, I have always been obsessed with time travel stories and there has always been a particular kind of time travel story I've wanted to tell. I mean, I'm talking for decades I've wanted to tell this kind of story, but it never clicked for me how to make it happen. And the other day it did. Nice. And... Uh, I sat down this afternoon while you were napping and yeah. the baby was napping. Instead of napping, I, I manned up and uh, I came into the <laughs> office and I started to write. And I wrote like like 1,300 words of, of this time travel story. I have no idea how long it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be a novel or if it's going to be like a novella or a short story or something like that. Um, but But I'm not forcing myself into anything i'm not i'm just Good. like you know what i'm just gonna start writing and see where it takes me yeah. uh, i know how it ends that's what's important and uh we'll see how long it takes me to get there so Great. of course i started doing this just when we're about to move and i won't have any more time to write yeah anyway Perfect. what about you or it's a good time because you'll view your writing time as a break that's true so you'll like make it a point to do it as often as possible that's true too i don't know anyway um yeah i'm working on a couple of things i'm still working on that chapter book um that I talked about, I think, a couple of episodes ago. But, yes, like I mentioned earlier in this episode, uh, I was inspired by the picture book idea. And I really dig it. And it's, um, this is going to sound silly, it's all written in my head. Now I just have to write cool. write it down. Uh, but I'm really into it. And I'm excited by it. Great. Yeah. Great. So that is it for us for this week and potentially for this month. We don't know, but we'll keep you posted. So thank you for listening. Visit us online at writinginreallife.com. And there you can find our show notes, contact form, and other stuff. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at WIRL Podcast. Have a great week slash month, everyone. See ya.